0: Um, I do have a little bit of science mixed into my sermon today, so it's good, we'll hit that twice, but Miles and I were recently on a trip, we actually went up to Snowmass, um, I've had a lot kind of going on, it's been a while since I've preached, so a lot of ideas kind of kicking around in my head, um, but it's always good when you, when you for me anyways, when you get up into the mountains and start to get some clarity and some quiet, and the phone long, no longer works, and... Everything's, you know, peaceful. Um, so as, as we were making our way up the mountain, I, my truck's out of commission right now, so we were, we were driving in my little Jeep, my little Wrangler, and if you're lucky to get that thing to 70 miles per hour. Like You've got to push it pretty hard to get it there. So even the, the, the trip going up was a little slower and allowed me to think a little bit more. So the, the mountains, as we were getting closer and closer to them, it's actually uh, being able to observe that a little bit more instead of doing ninety miles per hour down the freeway. But anyways we went to we went to uh snowmass and we came around a corner and there was this mountain peak. It's actually it's called Mount Daily, Daly, D D A L Y. If you want to look it up, check it out. You really should. But we came around a the corner and there's Mount Daly. It's right next to Capitol Peak. It's this mass of solid rock. And right through it, it's like gray in color, right through it, there's a, there's a tan stripe diagonal that goes across it. And I just stopped. Like, wow, mouse, check this out. This is cool. Look how cool that mountain is. So we, we stopped. I took some pictures of it and we talked about it. And that's when my sermon started to get, come together and the ideas that have been rumbling around in my head, my thoughts, my, my reading and study had, Started to consolidate. And I think, just like the Bible does, it starts with creation, right? Genesis, we see from the very beginning, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. There's a point in time, I think, in our recent history where people didn't take that for granted. That, that people, it was, or they did take it for granted actually, that people just kind of knew. It was just part of society, it was, it was part of just regular knowledge that, that we were created by God. Now here more recently, that's not so much of an option, is it? We're taught differently now that we're accidental. We live in different times. So the, the, the question is, do you believe that you were created? Do you, do you really believe? Have you really thought about that fact, that you were created by the hand of God? And when was the last time you thought about your, your purpose? Your purpose of existence. If, if God Almighty, the Father Himself, created this earth, everything around you, and you, when was the last time you put some thought into what your purpose here is? So here's the science fact. We're on a, we're on a giant ball. This is my kind of science. We're on a giant ball that is two-thirds water, is spinning at 1,000 miles per hour, Uh, The sun that gives us heat and energy and plants energy and keeps us from freezing to death is 94 million miles away. It burns, but it does not burn up. Think about how amazing that is. Think about with all of this, with this creation, this amazing world that we live on, What's the purpose of me? Just a, a quick little read here. The other side of it is, we read about, the, the and we're taught about the Big Bang, right? About 13, this is what it says, this is what they write about the Big Bang. About 13.8 billion years ago, a molecular ca- cloud came together through gravitational pull and eventually became a superheated mass that exploded and then, and then formed subatomic particles. From there, it began to form atomic particles, which, which again began to gather and form stars and galaxies that we have today. So it was accidental, this accidental happening, this, this, this cloud of, of material, of 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 basically, a, uh, what do they call it? This this molecular cloud came together through gravitational pull, got superheated, and blew up. And that was a cascading series of events, accidental events, that now led to where we are right now, to this point. Is that the case? Was it accidental? Was it just something that just, just happened? Or is there something more? In fact, the Bible says the opposite. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God says that when you look at creation, you will see him. And that's what Miles and I experienced just the other day. We looked at something so awe-inspiring, it's hard to imagine that there wasn't a God, that there isn't a God. They created it. Right with that, and you've probably heard these two verses together, Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pull forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They have no words. No sound to hear from from them. Yet their voice goes out into the earth. Their words to the end of the world. The heavens declare His glory. When you look at the stars in the sky, you will see how glorious the Lord is. He's beyond us. He's so much greater than us. He's so much bigger than we are. He's different than we are. He's not merely just a bigger us. He's different. He's beyond us. Beyond our comprehension. He is the center of the universe. God says, no man can see my face and live. That's what he told Moses. When Moses asked to see him, he said, no man could look upon me and live through it. That's how awesome he is. That you can't even gaze on him. The, 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 the um, high angels. We see it in, in Isaiah. We get a little glimpse of his vision and a little glimpse of God through that, right? We see in Isaiah that the high angels, they're, they're standing with God and they're covering their faces and their feet. With their wings, and they're saying, "Holy, holy, holy." Actually, it's, it's inaccurate. They're crying out, "Holy, holy, holy!" And the the it's rumbling around them. That's the majesty of our God. So are you and I alone? Are we here by ourselves? No. No, we're not. If we, if we look back, right? If we look back at what we've discussed so far, we've come to terms that there's been this, there's this amazing creator that is far greater than we are, that's at the center of the universe, that's made it all. And he says, he tells us in Acts 17, 24, the God who made the world... And everything in it is the Lord of Heaven and Earth, and does not live and does not live in temples, by human hands. And he is not served by human hands. He is as excuse me, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times and history and boundary, and boundaries of their lands. God then did not did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far away from us. He knows everything. He doesn't need us. That's what this verse is telling us. He doesn't need us to do anything for Him. Rather, He knows everything about us and has a plan for us and has has plotted it out and knows every boundary and has created this beautiful thing so that we can look upon it and see it in awe. And He's never that far away from us. He created all of this so that maybe we'll reach out our hands Search. Almost like being in the dark. Reaching out and feeling as you look for Him. What God says is that you are no accident. That's what He's saying here. He has made all of this and you are no on purpose because everything that he does is on purpose in fact he determines all of it where you would be born when you would be born he's orchestrated the situations of our life so that we might reach out for him and fill our way to him just like in the dark He's put us here so that we, we might someday look for Him. And I think when I reflect on that, that's where I see us as a church. That's why we're all here right now. We're here on purpose. You're hearing this on purpose. We're reading these verses on purpose. It's all intentional. He puts things in front of us on purpose to hopefully guide us to Him. We're here together now as a church, as his church, as his people, for a purpose and for a reason. We live on an amazing planet. Um, I think Steve talked about how amazing we are a little bit in his sermon last week. I think, was it 10 kilowatts is what the brain burns per hour do you remember that fact 10 kilowatts an hour and what was what would it take to 10 million so a million times greater they take a million times more energy to produce a computer that could do what our brain does Sure. It's a lot more, right? Actually, it's probably unfathomable. It'll probably never happen. There is no way that something that amazing couldn't be built without a creator. So once we recognize this, that we were built by an awesome designer by God the Father Almighty. And if God is so good, I think eventually we get to the point where we, we, get, we get, at least in most people's walks, where we get to the point where we recognize the Creator, but then we have this impasse. I don't know that I've ever met a person that didn't come to this question at any point in their life. If God is good, if He is so great, then why do such bad things happen? Why do such bad things happen? If He is so amazing, then why is it so bad? If He's created laughter, then why did He create tears? Why did He give us all of that? Why did He create life and death? I look back at my own life and I reflect on the, on the bad times that I've, that I've had my parents divorce my mom had an accident when I was four put her in a coma she's still physically crippled from that or physically a little bit disabled and has, has ongoing issues from that why, why would God let that happen Liz's dad God rest his soul Very late in his life, he finally came to Jesus and pulled himself out of a miserable way of life. Miserable. Drug abuse. Adultery. You name it. And finally, she developed a a relationship with him. And just before our wedding, he passed away. Why? Why? And that's I think that pales in comparison that that my experiences pale in comparison to probably many of yours. I don't think they're nearly as bad as some of the other things out there, not even close. Why? If God is so good, then why? Something doesn't seem right right isn't that going through your head right now it, it doesn't seem right and you're right to ask that you were spot on it's not right it's not right this isn't what god intended not for us it's because he left us with choice The Bible teaches us that after God created the world, Adam and Eve, he told them they could have everything but one fruit. You can have everything but this. And in doing that, and telling them that, and giving them a commandment, he left them with a choice. They got to choose. Isn't that something that God left... Adam and Eve with a choice. Choose good. You could be here forever and it'll be amazing. Choose evil. Disobey me. I look back on that and it's just an interesting idea to me. I've never really looked at it from that perspective that Adam and Eve, from the very beginning of our creation, that humans had a choice between good and evil. That God granted us that with His put this commandment to us, he granted us freedom to choose. Will. Obey or rebel. When they chose to disobey God, he had to make true to his word. He is just. He is a just God, and he had to make true to that. Right then, everything changed, and there was a curse over the earth. There was a curse over humankind from that moment on. This isn't right. From then on, There was corruption, there was bad things, and it wasn't right. It wasn't right. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, but until then, we face pain. Until then, this is the world we live in. The Bible says that God can use pain that we are suffering from to his glory. Isn't that something that the the worst things that we can fathom, the most awful things that happen on this earth, God can use for his good. And I go back to him being the creator of the world, to him being the creator of everything, that he can take those events and glorify himself through it. James 1, 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sister, whenever you face trials of any kind. You know that the testing of your your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Wow. Wow. He turned a pretty nasty thing. A series of nasty things into something amazing. Because as we endure this earth, as we endure this pain that we live through, that we live amongst, and if we allow God to change us and to to help us through it, we become more complete. We become, become more mature. We don't lack... Anything. I look at it like a cake. Have you ever had the, the parts and pieces that go in a cake by themselves? Crack an egg, raw, put it in your mouth, it's not that great. How about a, how about a big chunk of butter? Have you ever put that in your mouth before? Don't be bashful. I do it. Huh? Some do, right? It's kind of like ice cream. Not really. Not really. That's okay. Flour. Have you thrown a heap and tablespoon of flour in your mouth? It's not great. Sugar's pretty good. Chocolate chips are all right. But all those components together that aren't good by themselves, they make this cake, this beautiful, wonderful, tasty cake. And that's God's plan. For all the bad things. Each one by itself isn't great, but if we allow him to mix it and to stir it and manipulate it, it becomes something wonderful. That's what he's doing with this world we live in. He's changing it. He'll change you too. You'll become mature, not lacking. God says that, you can, that he can use this process for your benefit. That's what he says later in verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres. 12, sorry, it's, we're still in James. Verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. to the person that makes it through, the one who perseveres, the one who stands the test, let God change them and strengthen them. So do you draw near to God during those times? Like I said, I listed off a few of the things that have happened in my life that were not so good but now that i look back i see god's hand in it my parents divorced i have a man now that i love dearly that was a reason for their split but because of god's grace that he's shown me i can forgive him and we have an amazing relationship he is so good to my kids his grandkids and i love him so much and he loves me But through that terrible thing, because of Jesus' grace, I can love. He's changed my life through it. Same with my mom getting hurt and having an accident. I look back and I just see God pouring out, showing how awesome He is. The person who receives the crown of life is the person who loves Him. And the person who loves Him endures the trial. If you love God, you will endure the trial. You're not going to freak out and walk away from Him just because things are grim. And I'm not talking about your car won't start or you have a flat tire grim. I'm talking about being bankrupt. Being destitute. Being poor of health. Near death. Those type of grin. Through the toughest times, we find God. Many people find God at the lowest of lows. That's where He'll come get us. So we've discussed at this point that God is Creator. Creator. That we are not an accident. God has a purpose for us. It's all for His glory. And we were made to bring Him glory just like the heavens. We also discussed that Adam and Eve were given a choice. And we'll go back to that choice they chose to rebel. Rebellion doesn't just affect the person that rebels, right? It continues on down the line. The mistakes that I make now, the sin that I have, will affect my kids. Pure and simple. All of us carry some burden from our parents. All of us do. And ultimately, we all carry the burden from our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents, Adam and Eve. Their choice is the reason we're in the predicament that we're in today. That original sin we curse, we carry that burden of theirs. There are consequences for sin. Steve touched on this a little bit last week. Adam and Eve's sin just didn't affect them. But it does us also, right? But this is the difficult part to understand. The Bible just doesn't talk about the consequences we faced here and now, it talks about eternal consequences, it talks about future judgment. It's hard to stomach, but it's in the Bible. Revelations 20.10 says, And the devil, who deceived them, those are the people that deceived in the end times, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Then it goes on to say in verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the death and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire was the second death. And pay attention to this. Anyone whose name that was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. There are consequences for actions Just not at this time, but eternal. Forever. There's consequences forever. The holiness and the greatness of our Creator means that He is just. He is just. And because he is just, there must be a consequence. He must be just. He gave Adam and Eve the, the option. And because he did that, they chose the wrong one. He must be just. Which means they are destined for hell. But it goes deeper. He loves us. He loves us. He's a righteous God, a just God, but He is a loving God. The Bible says He does not leave the guilty unpunished, but He loves us. Romans 5 8. But God d- demonstrates His own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God looks at us and says, I love them so much that I don't want them to die. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my Son, my pure and holy Son, a piece of me, I am going to send him to the cross to be crucified for them. I am just, but I am loving. I am going to send Jesus to the cross to be crucified for their iniquities. And he will purify them. He will cover them. Romans 3:26 says he did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that to be just and be the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God is just and the justifier. This is why we see it in in animal sacrifice. like Back in the Old Testament, we see an animal sacrifice. they're, they're, They're sacrificing animals and and the the blood is covering covering their iniquities. You see it all the way back this the shadow story of it. But sending Jesus to the cross is like me walking miles down death row. Like walking down the halls of death row with miles. My little boy who I love dearly who is a part of me I see it every day I see that little boy who reflects me it's like walking him down and showing these showing him these awful deprived human beings that have done Awful, sinful things that they deserve to die for. It's like walking him through here. And after I walk him through, looking at him and saying, I love them. I love them. And I'm going to send you to the cross. For them. That's what it's like. I think that's the closest thing, closest comparison that we have to feel how possibly God felt when He sent His Son to do that. The thought that God did that for me. Amazing. That he sent his son holy and blameless into the form of a man to be crucified for my sins, to cover my sins, to cover your sins is amazing. The question is, do you trust God? If He is holy and He is fair, do you trust Him? Do you trust that God is love? Through this, believe that Christ is the Messiah and you will not face judgment the judgment God's judgment we just learned about the greatest news on earth that Jesus was sent by God to cover our sins right isn't that the greatest news on earth that there's a way out of here. There's a way out of this. This great and holy, loving God is willing to sacrifice His Son to give us life. But that doesn't mean that everyone on earth is forgiven. Now we get to make a choice. We get to choose to believe in Him and to follow Him or not. The Bible says we need to repent. That means 180 degrees in the opposite direction. Right? That's what repentance means. To turn away from everything that we lived in in this world and that we were a part of and to move in the other way. Turning back to Christ. Making Him our Lord and our Master. Becoming slave to Him. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. The idea here is that you are saying, I want Him to be my Lord. I want Him to be my Master. I want to be under His command. But Jesus says it will be difficult. It's not going to be easy. In John 15 18 If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If the world hates you for being like Christ, it already hated Christ. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is You do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. He says, because they hated me, they will hate you. The way Christ lives isn't that popular. But we are to become more like him. He gave us an example of humility. That's the first thing we see here, is this example of humility. Philippians 2 talks about how Christ took the form of a man and emptied himself. 1 John 3.16, this is a popular one. This is how we know what is, love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can he love If God? How, how can the love of God be in that person, dear children. Let us not love with our words or our speech, but with the actions and in truth. This is how we know what love is. This is how we understand love. as through Christ's humility. It isn't about talking. It's about sacrificing for others. John thirteen. 3 says, and check out this example, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew, in this situation right here, pay attention to this, he knew that God had put him in this place of power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from his mill, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. God let Jesus know that he had all the power of God. He knew that. Jesus knew that. He knew. But what does he do? He he wraps a towel around his waist and he washes the feet of his disciples. That's how we know what love is. We see Jesus as the example. What's the example that he sets? To serve. To serve. He's telling us to get over ourselves. That when we decide to follow Jesus, we have made the decision to take the role of a servant. The example of Jesus are you ready for that power are you ready for that kind of authority Jesus isn't just to be our savior he is to be our example when we take up Jesus when we are when we are laid down with him and we are raised again. When we take Him up as our Lord and Savior. When His Spirit comes alongside of ours. We have a new purpose in life. When we are redeemed. We have a new purpose. And that's to serve. To serve just like Jesus did. And what, the, what kind of benefit do we get out of that? What a, what a glorious benefit that we get out of that that He brings His Spirit alongside of us to guide us and to help us through it. And what a glorious benefit that we get to give the love of Jesus right back to our brothers and sisters to serve here, to serve the world, to lay down with Him in humility, to reflect the example of Christ. It's awesome. That's basically in a nutshell the path of a Christian to recognizing a creator all the way to serving as Christ, our Lord and Master. As I finished this up, as I as I got to the end of it, it, it dawned on me that for the people that I'm speaking to, and especially even more so today, the, the folks that I am preaching to right now, you all, this is probably not that applicable. This is not anything that you don't already know or understand. Actually, it's probably a little bit boring for you. It's probably a little bit mundane. You've probably heard the gospel message and the res- redemption through Christ, many times. And what I would tell you is, you can't hear it enough. You can't hear it enough times. Nate's told me when you preach, you tell them this way, that way, this way, this way, that way, from every different angle. But it's the same with the gospel message. You need to hear it from every different position, every different angle, every different way. Why? Because you need to be out there saying it over again and over again to everybody you come across. So the point of this message today, not so much for the ones that needed to hear it today, that needed to go through that process that I just described. The point of today is the reminder that you need to remember this, looking back at God all the way to the Creator, so that you can take it out there. Amen. Who's got uh, communion? Thank you guys.